0: All right, um, let's do this. I've got a few things to talk about, but first, Sean, let's talk to Ben. Ben had a big yeah, night. What
1: why are we even talking? We are now the sideshow. We're the openers, actually. For the main event, Ben. Ben made event Wilson. What's up, dude? How are you feeling? Well let, we're, let, we're, let's set the here. We're stage not even here. gonna tell him
0: why. We're well, just we, gonna hype it up. So here <laughs> here's the here's the setup. Sean and I were chilling last night. And we get a text from Ben and he says, hey, look who just followed me. And it was Mr. Beast. And I think it's so for context, everyone, Ben is our producer here. Ben has a podcast called How to Take Over the World. It's uh, it's fairly popular, but growing quickly. So uh, your Twitter only has like a thousand or two thousand followers, right?
2: Four thousand. Four thousand. Yeah, right, right,
0: so we get this message and you said, hey, look who uh, look who just started following me. And it was Mr. Beast. And Sean and I made fun of you saying like, uh, you know, that's nothing. No big deal. Then you sent right. a text message to us saying, uh, been on the phone with them for the past hour and a half. And we were like, wait, what? And we don't really know. <laughs> we don't know anything else. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be some stuff here that you can't talk about. But what happened?
2: Yeah, so... Uh I got back from Utah with my in-laws on Saturday. So I was like feeling a little jet lagged. I was about to go to bed early, getting into bed with my wife. And uh, I looked down at my phone and I've got a notification. It says, Mr. Beast followed you. And my first thought is like, oh yeah, Mr. Beast followed me. Like <laughs> Mr. Underscore Beast. Hey, give me my social security number and I'll Venmo you $5,000. So I literally, I saw it and I just put down my phone and uh, like keep just like chatting with my wife or whatever. And then... I pick it up five minutes later and I look at it and I go, I actually don't see an underscore. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with this. And I click on it and it's verified and it's Mr. Beast. And he just followed me. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like you said, I only have 4,000 followers. Like (laughs) it's not, it's not a normal thing for like, I just, you know, pick up Mr. Beast. And then I get a DM like two minutes later and, uh, he's like, Hey, um, I listen to your podcast. I think it's cool. I would love to chat sometime. I don't want anything from you. I just like want to learn. And I was like, so I respond. I say, cool. Yeah. Let's uh, talk anytime I'm free. Like anytime you want to talk next week, you sound
1: like you're playing it cool, but inside what's going on.
2: Yeah. So inside I was like, (laughs) I actually even outside, I was like, my wife is Katie. I was like, Katy? Katie, Katie, Katie. Uh, once uh, once it starts happening. And uh, she was like, what? And I was like, Mr. Beast is following me. She's like, what's a Mr. Beast? And I was like, no, I, I got to call someone else. That's when I texted you guys. Because like, she doesn't get it. I need to talk to someone who gets it. Katie, leave the <laughs> and, uh, room.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, go get me a 12-year-old stat who could have a
2: discussion about this. <laughs> Katie,
1: get your nephew on the line. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh she's getting mad at me if I talk smack about her though. Once I explained who he was, she was very, very excited. She was she was very, very excited. Um, so uh I uh I messaged him, yeah, and I'm like trying to play it cool, like uh, oh yeah, cool. I could I could make time, no problem. <laughs> um And uh, should I run or
1: crawl to you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then he hits me with the Sean and he's like, "Uh, how about right now? And uh, I'm like sitting there like in my boxers in my bed. And I'm like, yep, I am 100% ready to talk right (laughs) now. Uh, Call call me. And uh, so he called me and apparently he does this. Uh, at night he goes for walks and he just calls people who he thinks are interesting and, uh, he tries to like download their brains and learn anything that he can. Uh, so, uh, we talked for like almost two and a half hours, uh, at the end and he's a very cool dude and I learned a lot of cool stuff.
1: well what well, like <laughs> well and
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: i mean what you, did you guys talk about <laughs> uh,
2: uh we talked about a lot i like it was you know it was it was just like a, a personal conversation so i'm not gonna share everything that we talked about but um oh i mean what for me the the coolest thing he did was yeah i've i've known for a long time that i need to take my podcast to youtube and i got to ask him like okay so how should i do this and he basically walked me through how he would do it um and how would he do it general game plan uh basically uh, i was saying you know should i do segments should i do uh clips should i um animate it should i do me on the screen and what he said is do the full episodes uh you probably want to edit the scripts a little bit so that it's not quite so casual Uh, because podcast like you listen to as you're washing the dishes. Like it doesn't matter that it's not gripping every second of the of the audio. But for YouTube, like it does need to be gripping every second, like really needs to pull people second by second. So he said, you need to edit your script a little bit for video, do animations, do it highly produced and do the full episodes like 45 minutes to an hour long. That was the basic strategy. And then he gave me some comps, some channels that I should make it similar to. And, uh, some, and some homework what to study want, up on.
1: What did he want to ask you, right? Because he called you. So, um, you know, was he looking for something? Was he just saying, "Hey, tell me about you know, I'm walking around. I want to hear. I'm listening to your podcast, and I decided I'd like you to say it out loud to me live. Go. Like, what, what was he? What was he interested <laughs> in?
2: He was laying in bed, and he mm-hmm. said, "Ben, tell me about my heroes." <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, no, he. Yeah, he. That, the funny thing was. He didn't really know. So we were just like talking about random stuff. And he's like, I just want to learn from you. So I don't know. What's up, man? Like, that's kind of how he we went into it. And I was like, I don't know. What's up with you? <laughs> um, and uh, so then we just kind of started chatting about random topics. I asked him a lot of stuff. I He told me a lot of cool stuff that is not public information. And uh, and then it, at, at the end, he was asking me sort of about... um. Like guru is honestly very similar. I told you about that finance guy. Yeah. Who to me and like wants me to be his guru. The background is very similar. The background of that is
0: like this person worth hundreds of millions of dollars hollered at Ben and said, just tell me what mistakes I'm going to make before I make them based off of like historical people. So Ben's podcast is he basically reads three books on titans of industry and he breaks them down into like a two or three hour podcast. So so by in theory, Ben's an expert Three book expert on a lot of different people, and and, and, if, and if you're going to
1: listen to one, go listen to Edison. I think it's amazing. Sam, what's your favorite one? Edison to me is by far my favorite.
0: Uh, what's the uh, richest uh, Rothschild? I like the Rothschild one, but I do think the Edison one is the is the most impactful because it like impact. We all know the outcome of Edison. The Disney one people liked. Um, I didn't like that as much because Disney like is not as
2: interesting to me. But uh, that one's probably the most popular. So interestingly. I, for Disney, I almost did a follow-up at the end of it because I listened to Mr. Beast's interview on Joe Rogan and the stuff Mr. Beast was saying, I was like, oh, this person is so similar to Walt Disney that it's almost kind of spooky and maybe I should make a a podcast just pointing out like a a quick 10-minute one, pointing out the similarities between Walt Disney and Mr. Beast. And when he got on the phone, he was like, I loved the Walt Disney one. That really resonated with me. And I was like, oh, that doesn't surprise me Dude,
0: this is why like you you're 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 pretty under monetized but i think it's going to catch up soon because i think what's going to happen and we said this six months ago you make these comments like oh you remind me of walt disney and so if i'm the person who like if i'm mr beast and you said it to me i go really what um what mistake like what am i doing wrong um or like uh i'm thinking about doing x y and z did walt do this and like did it work and did it not work like you're this weird fortune teller type of person
2: And that did did he say something like that to you? Yeah, a little bit, um, a little bit. He got into the like, well, what mistakes should I look out for? Like, what do you think that, um, like, what do you think I need to be wary of? There's a, there's a
1: Charlie Munger quote that's like, um, tell me where I'm gonna die, so I know I never go there. Right, like I'll just make sure never to go there. (laughs) It's kind of that. But I'm, also, I'm sure there's also the upside, right? Like, it's not just what mistakes, but like, how did they make their greatness happen? I think that's actually more of what people care about. How do they make their greatness happen? And then kind of draw parallels to my own life of like, yeah, I, I am just like Edison and the Rothschilds and Disney after all, you know, uh, it's so similar, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, like for Mr. Beast, the, I think the parallels are super easy with Walt Disney the thing, the only time that Walt Disney slowed down in his career it was for like a decade. And it was because Walt loved to be working on a new thing. But at a certain point, everyone convinced him like, oh, actually, you have this enormous multimillion dollar animation studio now. You just need to be working on Focus. pumping out more full length animations. And like when he did that, the whole thing kind of went downhill. And then he goes crazy and he starts obsessing over little toy trains and like really going off the rails. But those those model trains then get bigger and bigger and becomes Disneyland. And that is when he comes out of his funk and starts innovating again. And so for Mr. Beast, it's just like the don't let anyone convince you that you need to be working on the reasonable thing. Like you need to follow your unreasonable passions because some somehow great things are going to come out of that. Oh, I, so that's kind of the parallel. D-
0: for context, Walt Disney, he, I'm, I can't imagine he was more successful than Mr. Beast was at Mr. Beast's age, but he, how big was his business when it when you say things were going were being becoming unsuccessful and he started focusing and what does focusing mean like was he was he the CEO of this company?
2: Um, Walt was essentially the CEO of Walt Disney Studios, yeah, uh, and this is basically in the 40s and early 50s, um, and it was, um not huge huge but it was like hundreds to maybe just over a thousand employees is how big wow well disney studios was damn dude well
1: ben i think this was cool as hell uh, i'm so happy for you that that happened these are cool moments along the way and sit kind of like signals that like you're on the right track uh you know sam discovered you i don't know when uh he came on a, here a year ago about it.
0: it was a year ago
1: and you did this awesome, I, There's a, somebody put a Twitter clip up, you you did some interview and you were like, you're like, I'm listening to My First Million and I hear Sam say, uh, man, I, I, I found this podcast I love, it's called How to Take Over the World. <laughs> and I thought to myself, huh, there's another podcast called How to Take Over the World, how cool is that? And then you're like, oh shit, he's, t- he's talking about me, Ben Wilson, he just said my name. And then, you know. And then we basically, then I went down the rabbit hole after Sam said it. I was like, that sounds like really interesting. I don't like to read biographies, but I think I'd like to listen to two hours. And like, that's just, you know, like one commute and I could like know the story of Edison. I listened to the Edison one. I got hooked. I called you basically right after that. I think I DM'd you and called you and I was like, Hey, let's partner. Like, I think your thing is going to blow up, come work for us on our podcast. And then we will help cross promote your podcast. And like, let's take this to the next level. And these are the little happenings that happened along the way and now you know mr beast following you know sam and my lead of recognizing your talents for what they are (laughs) and um and so you know honestly like i think you have a great thing going i'm really happy for you that you know this happened i think it's such a cool thing that happened
0: i think what would be cool and i think this might happen ben here's what i'm gonna predict that's gonna happen in the next month you're gonna record an episode with jimmy mr beast you're gonna record an episode with mr beast and i think you if you you should ask him you should text him be like hey next time you want to do a sunday talk can i just record it and we're going to talk about history and i'm going to make it an episode do you care and every, it's going to be really cool because it's going to be like when elon musk went on um or when like i forget it was like elon, elon musk went on a couple like like uh he went on wait but wine hardcore so, history hardcore history and it's like dude well hardcore history is like bigger than you ben but they even to the mainstream person they were like Why is Elon Musk appearing on this nerdy niche thing and it blows it up? And that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be all the young people are gonna be like, why is Mr. Beast on this history thing? What is going on? Who is this? And I think that's what's gonna happen and your life is gonna change. I predict that's, that's, this is, this is how that story is gonna play out.
1: You should definitely reach out with some idea. You just need to, what's, what is the idea of how he could join you on the thing? And like, just get that one thing right and it'll be like an inflection point. For, for you and what you do.
0: Well it should be it should be why Mr. Beast is the new Walt Disney. And you're gonna be like, and hey, I'm gonna tell you, I'm I'm gonna Jimmy, uh his name's Jimmy, right? I'm gonna tell you yeah. why how you are just like Walt Disney, but I'm gonna do it in front of everyone and you can ask me questions and I'll explain to you why uh that's that's why I think you are just like him. I think that would be really cool.
2: I think what I would want to do is if you would let me like go down To North Carolina and like interview his parents, interview his friends and like actually kind of make like a semi documentary uh, audio documentary out of it. The making of Mr. Beast. Uh, That would be
1: sick. And also you could it could be like this is the part one of maybe of hopefully many parts to come. And I'm going to do this. You know, I can I can kind of document your whole whole thing, how this turns out. But you're only 20. What is he, 25, 26 years old? Something like that. It's like, you know, this is this is part one.
2: You know, it's funny. Part one, I was talking to him and uh, <laughs> I was talking about like. Just look at the smile on your think, face,
1: bro. This is like, <laughs> you know, wow. I have never seen this sort of deep happiness inside you. This is amazing.
2: So I, I was talking about like, yeah, these guys call me up and think I'm their guru. And so like I am I might do like a consulting business off of it, um, like coaching type of thing, because pe- there seems to be a market for that. And he was like, oh, yeah, I could see that. That seems like something I would have gone for when I was younger. And I was like, when you were younger, you're 24 years old. Like, how much time is there of when you were younger? Yeah. He's like, I used to feel just like that yesterday. Yeah, you're like,
0: he's like, yeah, when
1: I was younger, you're like, I have a child. Uh, I'm seven years older than you, and I have a child. All right. I mean, uh, that's funny. He that's He just big you in a, in a very yeah. nice way.
2: Yeah, he did. He did you he a
1: favor. He, he kind of like... Shit on you in the most gentle way possible in a way that's helpful to you
0: <laughs> yes exactly well congratulations that's cool All right i'm excited to see what's gonna happen yeah. um
2: thanks guys
1: If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC
0: Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Sean, I have... What else we got? I've got a few interesting things for you. Let me tell you the first interesting thing that I'm doing in my life and kind of an interesting business. So I'm on this app called Intro. Are you using Intro?
1: I don't use it. No, but... Uh, let's explain what it is. It's basically like you call an expert for an hour and you pay you pay for the time and you can do like a 15 or 30 minute call with them.
0: Yeah, that's all it is. It's, it's that, And that's not the point of the story, but that's like, that's all it is. It's just, you pay money to talk to people. It's consulting. And my buddy started it. So he asked me to do it. So I said, yeah, fine, I'll sign up, whatever. So when you and I were in Miami, this man and woman, this husband and wife, Came up to me and like started talking to me about hypnotherapy because they knew that I was uh, afraid to fly. I, I've got like I have a pretty hardcore claustrophobic thing. I don't take subways. I don't fly, and I also have an addictive personality and I love sugar. And so they like knew that, and they were trying to pitch me <laughs> and they on like using their services. And they kept emailing me, and I just I, I ignore everyone. I don't reply to email really. And eventually, they book a intro call with me, and I charge like I, I put it at like two grand an hour. And they're like, Hey, you never answer our emails. And and to be <laughs> honest, when I met them, I did you know, I you we do the nice thing when we meet people. Oh yeah, you know, this sounds great. Like, you know, maybe I'll do it yeah. sometime. Like you're just trying to be polite. And I let's said Let's find to, a time. Yeah, Please. let's find a time. And let's so, run away from, from potentially
1: <laughs> talking to each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they booked a call with me and they goes, You said you're gonna do it. We can't get you down, so we're just gonna pay you money right now and we're gonna sit down and do a hypno uh, a hip uh, what's it called? Hip what do you call it? Hypnosis? I guess a hypnosis yeah. session. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that what that's about, but I, I do it. And it kind of has changed my like the game for me. And so what? But, <laughs> yes, and I'll explain to you what what uh I keep getting the words screwed up. Hypnotherapy, what is it called? Hypnosis. Uh they uh this woman So she has an app. Her name is Grace. I think getgrace.com is like her app. And then I don't know. I think like grace.tv. If you go to getgrace.com, I'm sure you'll see all about her. Her name's Grace. And she told me, she's like, look, here's the deal. Uh, A handful of executives pay me a million dollars a year to do to be their personal hypnotist. I'm not going to pay you that or I'm not going to charge you that. (laughs) But if you like it, you have to tell people about it. I said, whatever, fine. But I'm not paying you a million dollars. She's like, that's fine, but you just get, let me give you five sessions, and if it changes you, let me know if you want to talk about it. And so I do this do this thing. It's totally worked. And so basically, what it is is you know how you do uh, breathwork and meditation. You just like kind of like sit down and get quiet, and like you hear like a voice in your head. Like it's maybe it's your headphones. It's Andy from Headspace, and he says like, all right, imagine like the sun is pouring on your mind or on your brain and it's leaking down to your body and causing you to like relax and you're filling with like relaxation whatever. You basically do that. But then she talks to you while you're in that state, you know, that meditative state and she says things like, you know, imagine yourself on a beach in your safe space and imagine like there's 4-year-old you and you're explaining to him how you're trying to overcome like, you know, the sugar addiction or whatever the thing you're trying to overcome. And so uh, and tell me what you say to that person. So you're basically just like, ta- you're getting spoken to and you're sometimes speaking back in a meditative state. Not like that interesting. When I did it, I was like, oh, like I thought I was going to be in a trance. But for some reason, this has been wildly effective. I think it could be placebo. I think it could not be, but I don't care. I haven't <laughs> had sugar in like three weeks since I started this. And I like am like kind of an addict with that stuff. And it's like to the point where I get sick if I think about it. It's been crazy fascinating. And wow. she gets these... She gets all these people to pay her a million dollars a year. Isn't that is that real though?
1: Who's, who's paying her? Did she, did she name names who's paying her a million dollars a year? That sounds a little far-fetched.
0: It does sound a bit far-fetched on her website is the founder of Clearco, uh, Clearco. what are they called? They're, they're called like clear or something. Yeah, they were, uh, that guy is, uh, one of her testimonials. And then she told me other people who, uh, I actually don't know if I'm allowed to say who those other people are. Oh yeah, yeah so that's great. But
1: do you you believe her, her, her website?
0: Yeah, her well her website is great gracesmithtv.com. And on there you could see testimonials from people. So could it, she be like kind of pulling my leg? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like look at her financials. Yes, 100%. But I don't know who, well, I mean, would someone lie about all, that? I she guess. looks
1: way different. I, for some reason, I imagine her to be like 70, but she's not. She's very young. So Grace Smith is the world's leading hypnotherapist. It is a seven-figure investment to work with Grace. Uh, wow, that's, that's amazing. You can work with her team for less or download the Grace app for free. Okay, Grace app for free. That sounds promising. All right, so the, uh, the founder of ClearBank. Wow, she's been on, uh, you know, whatever, like that TV looks show like the Jimmy shit. Kimmel but it's like yes. not it's called The Noite com Danilo Gentili. It's like the, the oh, like it's the Br- it's it's the Brazilian
0: version. It's the Brazilian okay. version of of Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. So, so, okay, so
1: yours was around sugar or was around your fuel flight?
0: We're going to we're going to address the the flying thing later, but I was going to try and do sugar and uh it's actually been effective. I'm I'm shocked to say it's been effective.
1: That's kind of crazy. Um I like it and it makes me want to do it. Which I think is probably you know pretty
0: common. She Um, told me to tell you that you can do it for free too if you want.
1: Oh, okay, great. How do I get over my? What do I even have? I don't have as many. Yeah, the problem is is
0: that you're like emotionally healthy, so like (laughs) I don't know if you have issues. Um, Get
1: over this happiness thing I got every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if like it's gonna impact you. I don't know, like. If you have any diet. No, or but yeah, actually, it
1: could be food. It could be food related. Like, you know, do I really want that cheese pizza? Maybe I'll just never eat a cheese pizza again after I talk to Grace. That could be kind of nice.
0: It, it It's just kind of interesting. But it could be a thing where it's like, man, I got to meet with this woman every week. And like, if I tell her that I ate sugar, I'm going to feel like an idiot. So, I mean, that could be it. I, I don't know what it is, but it's kind of well, interesting. I started
1: using that uh, my body tutor after you had mentioned it on the podcast. So, like, Did you really? They definitely had a bump. I signed up. I paid for it. So I was like, all right. Let's try this out. It's Been legit it right now for multiple weeks. It's super legit. I mean, it's like there's no like hocus pocus. It's just like just straight up. Here's a kind of like a coach who's a nutritionist who's like going to really help you. So I have this woman, Haley, helping me. I don't know if she's the same one you have. I have Heather. OK, so um, I don't know about Heather, but Haley's amazing. And so uh, and, and a lot of it's just like the basic psychology of accountability, right? Like I tell her I'm going to do something and I take a photo of every meal And I have to think to myself, am I going to either a be a big fat liar and just not take a picture of this, like, you know, bag of Cheez-Its that I'm about to eat? Or am I going to take a picture of it and be like, yeah, I know I told you I was going to eat good. And then I just ate bad, even though clearly I could have just not ate, you know, not eaten bad. And so it's helped so much to clear up like, you know, just like, I don't know, let's call it 30% or 40% of just random bullshit mistakes that I would have been making plus then there's the strategy like okay she gave me this thing. I'll, I'll share an exa- a specific example so like she told me this thing she goes all right uh i i snapped a picture of a meal i ate she goes like whoa big meal and i'm like yeah yeah you know whatever she's got you know her job is to kind of judge my meals right okay fair and she's like do me a favor before you eat i want you to just on a scale of 1 to 5 just take take note just like at the beginning here i'm not going to change anything in your diet but just observe how hungry were you when you started the meal like if one is absolutely starving and five is absolutely stuffed, like, were you starving when you, when you decided to eat or were you, um, like a two or a three on the hunger scale? And then when you were done, were you like, um, so stuffed, I need a nap. Or are you like, you know, okay, I'm full, I'm done. And she's like, don't change anything. Just like give yourself a number before and after, after every meal. So I started doing it and she's like, I was like, so what do I want? Like, you know, start at a two and end at a four. She's like, no, you kind of want to start at a three and end at a three. Like, you know, you basically want to be like, okay, it's been about three hours. I think I'll, like, I'll eat now. I think I could eat. I don't have to eat, but I could. I could definitely eat right now. Cause you're creating and like patterns
0: I'm, and being consistent.
1: And when I'm done eating, it's like, I don't stop eating when I can't physically eat anymore. I stop eating because, like, cool, like, I've had enough of my meal and I can move on. I know that there's going to be more food in a couple hours. I don't need to, like, you know, stuff myself to the brim here. And so, literally, these like, very small, like, nuances. So I had noticed, oh man, I really do tend to eat bad when I get to a one. Cause then I'm just like, I'm redlining. I gotta, I just like, my decision-making is very poor there. Um, so I'm like, normally if I like eat at a two and I finish at a three, I'm like very proud of like those, all those meals. So little things like that, or, you know, certain like, like, Hey, give me a, I was like, yo, give me a grocery list. I'm going to Whole Foods, just give me a grocery list and I'm just going to buy only that shit. So I only have that to eat at home. Like, you know, let's make this simple. And so she gave me like an exact grocery list. And I went and bought all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is great. So it's an amazing service. Really
0: yeah. My, my coach was like, anytime you want to snack, cause I would like snack a lot. She was like, get a baked potato, put it a paper towel over it and rinse the bake, get it wet and just put it in the microwave for five minutes and, and just eat that. And I started eating that. I'm like, oh, this is delicious. This tastes wonderful. And it's only 150 calories so like I was like what the fuck is a sweet potato I didn't know what a sweet potato was <laughs> you know what I mean what? <laughs> it's I like Dave that's
1: what you call <laughs> your girlfriend when you're in high school <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it's like Dave Chappelle when they do switching spouses when the black guy goes with the white family and he goes what the fuck is a parsnip like he doesn't know what a parsnip is <laughs> It's like I don't know what a fucking sweet potato is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's like, Renee Date. Zellwisher that's what he says Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's I'm not, so anyway, it's been a good service. I like my body tour. It's good. Me too.
1: Me too. This is not an ad. We're not paid to do it. I genuinely like the product, and it's helping me. Uh, also, get, it's get
0: like $700 it. a month, and I don't want to spend that anymore. But I said the only way I'm quitting is when I hit. It's like 200 250 something like that. I do the thing where they call you every single day oh okay yeah, so they call me much. they call me every morning and i can't cheat because my wife and and like family knows that i'm doing it and they're like oh you're gonna tell heather that you just ate that i'm like oh, well fuck. that was
1: the biggest thing i had to make a decision am i is this 100 honesty or is this 90 honesty or 60 honesty like you know there are levels to this whole honesty thing and so i was like all right i decided if i'm gonna spend this money i, I gotta do 100 honesty i don't know this person i've never met this person like she's going to be my little confidant of every single thing I eat in the exact thing. Like, yeah, I, I did just put ranch on my potato. Like, yeah, that, that, that happened. You know, like <laughs> I, I can't explain it. I just did it. And so I'm like, I got to take the actual photo of the actual thing every single time, no matter what. And I think that also the, the commitment to actually doing it right is what actually makes you get a good result from things.
0: Um, Do you want me to keep going? You want to do another one? You want me to do another yeah, one? Yeah, let's go. All right. Have you heard of Aviator Nation?
1: No. When is All that? right.
0: So this is this week's Billy of the Week. So basically, mm. um, have you heard of um, Tom's Shoes? Remember Tom's Shoes? Like, give one. Of course. Buy one, give one type of thing. You know, like the hipster shoes. Well, anyway, the guy who started it, his name was Blake. By At the way, last-
1: you go to Africa. Are we? Is everybody just running around in Tom shoes? They better be at this point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> at this point, yeah. Twenty years, Tom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Tom shoes better be like the official shoe of like South Africa. They got everyone should have a pair of Tom shoes. Um, so her name is uh, Paige. How do you say their last name? Mikoski? Uh Blake yeah, Mike Like that. And so anyway. Um, so her this this woman Paige and her brother is Blake the guy who started Tom's they got kind of popular and they got seed money because they were on like uh, this thing called uh, you probably knew all about this the Amazing Race um, and so they like did that and got a little bit of seed money whatever so he starts Tom's the same day she starts a different company called Aviator Nation now mm-hmm. you are not in the target demographic of Aviator Nation it's mostly women particularly. Like young, like high school, and I think middle school girls. Like it's like a status symbol a little bit. But basically, she uh, uh, taught herself how to sew just like on YouTube. And she started going to like fairs, like Venice Beach uh, flea markets and things like that. And she would sew like these interesting stripes on like old vintage sweatshirts, like, you know, nothing like breathtaking, but kind of cool. And like she would be making like five or 10K a day every once in a while when she would go and it was kind of working. And she bootstrapped this business to the point. Of sixteen years later, um, she owns one hundred percent of the company. In two thousand twenty, it did seventy million in revenue. Two thousand twenty one, one hundred ten million in revenue. Two thousand twenty two, it's going to double again, so it's going to be north of two hundred in revenue. And last year, she paid herself a fifty million dollar dividend check. And she's buying a lot of. Oh uh, she's bu- Yeah, she's buying a lot of real estate with it. And in this uh, article I read, Forbes was like, "We estimated that she's worth around three hundred fifty million dollars, but she said the, the number is at least double that." And she recently acquired her ninth property, a fifteen million dollar lakeside house in Austin, and she has other homes in Malibu, Venice Beach, Marina Del Rey, and as in a Aspen ski chalet. And, uh, and she, she, she says just,
1: that if. If she didn't subscribe to My First Million, none of this would have happened. That is fucking
0: crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, she says she reads the Milk Road every day. Yeah, uh,
1: she subscribes and shares with friends. Like unbelievable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a sweetheart. And uh, have you have you ever heard of this business? I've never heard about this until Forbes did an article on it.
1: No, and this I'm I don't know why, but I'm almost mad. I don't even know what I'm mad at, but I'm just like this. Because you go to the website. You go to the website. And this literally could be like someone's school project. This could be like an AliExpress demo site. This could be, and I don't I don't mean that to to kind of shit on it, but I'm like, what am I looking at? This is basically like a shirt with four stripes on it. It's like uh you know, like a sweater with a lightning bolt. It's like a, a dude wearing black shorts with a yellow stripe on the side, and the short, oh wow, the shorts are $168. I yeah,
0: so work. and I forgot to add that that's like the shtick, which is it's uh, like sweatpants are $160. So, like, the items of oh, clothing like are like a luxury brand, yeah, a little bit short of luxury, but like, basically, my friend Joe told me that his uh, kids wear it or they always like are wanting it because they'll see girls in school wearing it and it's like $150 for a pair of sweatpants. And so it's a little
1: mystery box for me. Like, how do you do this? How do you make something just like arbitrarily cool and in demand when it seems like there are a trillion, you know, like alternatives to this? And like, I kind of get it when it's like established brands. It's like, oh yeah, well, you know, Louis Vuitton or whatever. They have this like history of like being seen as valuable. So therefore people will continue seeing it valuable. This is just like some woman at her dining table was like, no, you know what? three stripes on the hoodie, $800. This plan will work. And like, somehow it did. I don't know. Explain this to me. This is like, makes my head hurt.
0: Listen in that book. What's Peter Thiel's book zero to one. He talks about like, he's like, there's like basically like these, I I don't remember the words he used, but he said like, there's like a moat or like the truth. Uh, Like you have to know something that no one else knows. And basically you have to like figure out some, a secret, some type of like technology that others haven't figured out. But he goes, and Pierre Thiel is like this kind of like autisticy like genius. And he's like, the fifth one is branding, which I don't know anything about that. I don't know about cool, but I know that that's like important. That's kind of like what he says in the book. <laughs> he's like, branding is like a moat, but like, you know, I don't know anything about moats. I, I just do technology. And I think that I've been chatting with a... Remember how we had Sophia Amorosa on the, on the, on the pod? She's the woman right. who started Nasty Gal and she's got all these other new projects going on. And like a woman like her... Just everything she does to me is just like cool. It just looks well neat. when
1: I met when we when we met her, I was like, Oh yeah, like whatever you are selling, I'm buying. Like, uh dig your vibe. You seem awesome. Like, I don't know, you're wearing like six rings right now. I, I don't even own one. I feel like I should own six <laughs> now. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but like I am drawn to your lifestyle, your charisma, your whatever. And I think that's like the, you know, whatever, like, you know, that works for nasty gal. I think it works for like goop and shit like that, where it's like. There's just something about certain tastemakers and trendsetters where you're like. exactly. All right. I just want to like, I just want to drink whatever you're drinking.
0: Well, if you Google this woman page, um, she kind of has that vibe. She's like the Jessica Simpson version of nasty gal. Like maybe a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe like a little bit less like edgy, but like still right. cool. Uh, right. You know, like, uh, like just a little bit more like. like uh, She
1: always looks like she just got back from Coachella. It's yeah. Like, oh, you just got back.
0: Yeah, like she's not going to do Coke with you, but like she'll have like really good peach ice, iced tea, but it's still like cool. And like you always like you're like, oh, what the hell? What the fuck is this hibiscus stuff like that type of vibe? And uh, anyway, I like her. I love this woman, Page. I've uh, been reading all about her. This company is really, really cool. And you're in the you're in the e-com space. A bunch of our friends are in the e-com space and it's really hard right now. And I read about this woman and I was like, oh, well, she sure makes it look kind of easy. It's kind of interesting.
1: (laughs) I think that's why I have such a big reaction to it because I'm an e-com and I'm just like, how? How the, oh, how do you do this? You know, you ramped up to 200 million in sales with like the most competitive common category, like shirts. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. What makes your shirts good? They're just cool, you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't count for a hundred million. And it's like, actually it can, if you really are cool enough and you build that grassroots thing, what I want to learn. And I don't know if there's a way to even like figure out this backstory without doing a bunch of work, but like the, there is something to like the foundation of cool. Right. So like, um, how do you build uh, a frame, a foundation or, or like a ladder that will, that will like you know started. It sounds like she went to festivals and she's in the for the first store was in Haight Ashbury in in San Francisco and it's like with the right group of people you start getting going and then it kind of like spreads from there. And I've never understood that when it comes to fashion. I de- I never understood. But how her brother that, has that too.
0: So if you Google Blake Myoski and you see like his house, like he's got like a vintage. Uh, like a vintage like Toyota Land Cruiser truck with like a golden retriever and like a cool like Pen- Pennington, Pendleton, whatever it's called, blanket like laying over the hood and like skis on top of the truck in front of their Malibu. Like even though it's like, you know, they're just wealthy. So it's maybe it's easy to like have all that cool shit. There is like a sense of style uh, that he's just always had. I, I think part of the cool thing is you just, you're just you just good looking, to be honest. I think that's definitely like a, a <laughs> I think we got to the root of it. Right? I <laughs> no. mean like, Brad Pitt could wear anything and then I could wear the same clothing. It's just like, he just looks better. He's just better looking. I mean, of course, like he's cooler, but there is a few other things I think that, that, that are a little bit more, uh, learnable and, and replicable when it comes to that. But these people definitely have it.
1: It reminds me, uh, so yesterday I was talking to my mom and my mom's in town or my mom's like visiting my house. And, uh, I started doing this thing. I did a podcast with my mom where I was like, I really want to hear, my mom's story, like, because uh, we all talk to our moms, but we don't like really talk. It's like surface level stuff where it's all about the kid. And, and you know, moms are great because they're like, you know, they're all about you. But like, how often do you really sit down and ask them questions about like them and how they grew up and what made them them? So I recorded this podcast with my mom because, you know, parents are getting older and I just always wanted to have it. And it was amazing. And one of the things she, she had told me, I don't know if I shared the story on the podcast before, but she had told me like her trip to America, like how she got here. And like um, and it wasn't hardship like um, it wasn't hardship like, oh, my God, we we were smuggled in in boats and like we had to like, you know, right. walk through the Rio Grande with just our nose above the water. Like it wasn't hard like that. It was hard in the way that's like very relatable In that just unknown. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And then you're in a situation and there's nobody to help you. And so she talked about like she got on the plane and like uh, she saw the seatbelt. They're like, fashion your seatbelt, ma'am. And she's like. You know, like a plane seatbelt is not like any other seatbelt you've ever right. seen. She's and like, I she's don't know like, how she was like, the, and she's just like clacking it together over and over again. And it, she it just like goes in and like she was so happy, like, oh my god, like thing number one, done. Like, I could do this. And then she was like, All right, I'm flying to America. Like, I don't want to miss my stop because she'd only ever been on a train. So she's like wide awake for like 16 hours of a flight, being like, when are they going to announce like the, the America stop? And I need to get off this, this plane. And like, she didn't know that a plane just like goes to one place and that's it. And there was like so many things. Like when she got to the place that like, she got to JFK or something like that, she needed to transfer to, to Pittsburgh. She just didn't know. She was like, I I think I'm in America. Like I didn't really know beyond that. Like I have to get to Pittsburgh. What is a Pittsburgh? And she's like, um, How some was guy, she? she was like 20 at the time. And she, to put it like her 20 is like today's like seven year old. Like, because she had never been to a restaurant. She couldn't speak English. She, um, like she told me once, she's like, yeah, right before I went to America, she told me this yesterday. She goes, I went as like our school thing. We went to a restaurant and I'd never eaten outside of my house. And so I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and she's like, there was like a fork and knife on the table and I didn't know, like, I knew what they were, but I didn't know how you hold them. And she's like, I'm looking around and everybody's doing it so fast. And I'm like, okay, what are are they doing with their, like, how do they pick this up like this? And she's like, I basically didn't eat. I paid for the most expensive meal of my life and I didn't know how to get the food into my mouth and I was so embarrassed to use my hands. I just didn't do it. And so I was hearing these stories and I was like, we all have these moments where like the world seems too mysterious for us. Like, this is like, I don't know what this, this black box is like completely foreign to me and I don't know how to operate it. And like her trip to America had like five of these. Like she was talking about like when she finally got off the plane and the uh, a, an American guy had met her and he was like, okay, you clearly look like completely panicked. And he was like, are you, do you know like where you're going? Like, do, do you have family to come pick you up? And she's like, no, like, why like, did she you have come? somebody's phone number?
0: Was she going to college or something?
1: Uh, she was even younger. She was actually, she was 17. She was, she was, she started high school three days later in America when she came. And so she, she came because if you come right before your 18th birthday, you're not an adult yet. So you have to do way less paperwork. So her dad, like, put her on a plane at 17 was like, go. You're like, you're about to turn 18 in three days. Like you need to get over there. And so her brother was here, but his, uh, you know, like she didn't know how to get to his house. Like she, she didn't know like the, all the steps it takes to get there. So this guy was like, do you have her phone number, his phone number? And she was like, yeah, yeah, look, I have a phone number. And he's like, okay, let's go to this pay phone. And he, he's like, um, and she was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know what this device is. And I don't have money and I don't know how to do this. So he pay he puts quarters in and he calls and then she's like, she talks to her brother and brother's like, well, you're here. Like, I didn't even know you're coming. Like, okay, stay exactly where you are. Don't move. I will go to the airport and I will find you at the, at the phone booth. Do not move like one step. And she's like, okay. And she's like, the guy who had helped me like set up the phone call, he had to go catch his next flight or he was like, she speak English? She could like read English, but she couldn't speak it. She had never practiced yeah. speaking. So she like, you know, it was here and she's like, oh shit. And so she was like, I, she was like, I'll never forget. She's like, I was Trying to like I was done with the phone call, but I didn't understand how to hang up the phone. I, I couldn't like I couldn't figure out how to get the payphone back. Like, what was the original starting point? I didn't remember. And she's like, I remember I just like left it hanging, like the cord hanging, the phone was swinging and I like walked away and I was so scared, like the police are gonna get me for what I just did. And she's like, everything was so new. Like, you know, on the way home, we stopped at a 7-Eleven and I was like, This is a palace. Like, look at how much stuff is here. Look how bright these lights are. I've never seen lights so bright in my life and like you know all every little thing was so amazing and so i say this for two reasons one is if you haven't done like the kind of like podcast with your mom go do it it's amazing even if you don't have a podcast you don't even publish it
0: well just like few people are going to have as good of a story as that
1: i don't know like i feel like everybody's got a story when you start to dig in and then for my mom it was almost like she didn't think about this stuff like it was only like halfway through when I got to like the interesting bit because it was all like just so buried in her head. You know, she, what does she remember from 40 years ago? Uh, but then she did remember once I got like on the right trail. Uh, but the other thing is like when I hear the story about this woman who, you know, just puts stripes on a T-shirt and like grows it like crazy. And I'm, I'm saying that kind of like to me, it looks so simple, but obviously there's more to it. I just don't know what the more to it is. And I'm sure there's people who listen to this podcast and they hear these things. they hear us talk about many things. And they're like, I feel like you guys say it like it's so obvious, but it's like completely not obvious to me. It's like, where do how do I hang up the payphone? Like, how do I connect the the seatbelt? Like, I don't know. That's okay. Like, there is that everybody's got that black box. And then, like, later you look back and you laugh and you're like, but I I
0: can't believe it. You you and I, you're I, I don't you're not an immigrant, but but you. You and most all of my friends, and I think you as well, all of our friends are either immigrants or kids of immigrants um i, I feel like i'm like the only like not not one of those that that <laughs> i'm I'm close with my my wife is that my family's that you're that and um what you what you notice talking to these people and a lot of well, you and I are friends with a lot of immigrant entrepreneurs or children of immigrants and they're entrepreneurs and you you like i often wonder i'm like how are these people succeeding? when there's it's they're coming from a place where things were much harder you know like i i didn't learn how to i didn't have to learn how to you know use a payphone i just knew and you hear the story about your mom and you're like well that's why they succeed so well because well she had to learn how to use a fork like that's like i imagine like pretty humiliating and you're frightened you're frightened you get on a plane to like, you know, it sounds like to her, it'd be as, as if you sent me to uh the moon, Marsh. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. And it's like, well, okay. I like landed it, I found my brother somehow. Like, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to send me back to right. this place. I mean, like, you know, it, it can't be that bad, uh, failing, failing at least. And so when you talk about people who are like, well, I don't know what to do. It's like, yeah, but like, it's kind of straightforward you just can't really be afraid to do it because like the worst that's going to happen is not that bad like you know what i mean right. if, if this woman from india can come knowing nothing and she ends with like this big family and she's I, I, your parents are pretty successful like it, it, it can work out if you just kind of take a little bit of risk it, it's pretty inspiring
2: our software is the worst
0: Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better.
1: Yeah, I think that's where two, two common immigrant traits come from. Number one, like a willingness to grind it out in a way that's like, nothing is beneath me. You know, like, okay, like she was like, you know, two weeks later, I had a job as a waitress like the person who had never been to a restaurant now was hired as a waitress in America and couldn't speak English. And she's like, my brother was like, how the hell did you get a job? And she's like, I don't know. You said we needed a job. And so like, I just kept going to different places every like hour. I just went to a different place to interview. And this one liked me and they just gave me the job and like, okay, I have to go at like four in the morning before school. And like, I'm going to help clean the stuff. And then I'm going to go at night and like, that's what I'll do. And so you get this like grit side But then you also get the, like, kind of, like, why are immigrants so cheap? It's because, like, they've operated with no safety net before. And so now when they have some resources, they're like, don't squander them. We remember what it was like to have no resources with no back, no net to catch you if you fall. And so, like, yeah, don't, like, spend too much. Even once, like, a lot of immigrant parents end up in America, like, they end up getting rich, but they still live very cheaply. And I think it's because, like... If you've lived, it's like, you know, somebody who's like, I don't know, they like group in the woods and it's like, oh, why do you sleep on the floor still? It's like, I just do. Okay. Like, don't ask me too many questions. It's like, I, I know I have a bed now, but like, I don't need, I don't need the bed. I don't, like, I don't want to use that right now because I feel like, you know, anything could happen right now. And so well, a lot of my, have that same fear.
0: And a lot of my friends, so my mother-in-law's from Haiti and I would talk to her. So she, did I tell you how she started this pillow business? I don't know how big it is exactly, but I imagine mid six figures. And, um, she took. She asked me to to take, drive me two hours to the airport, and I was like, "Why?" She's like, well, "I want to ask you how Shopify works. I think I want to create an online store where I sell these pillows." And I'm like, "All right, whatever. I'll explain to you how, how to do it." But I, I like people ask me this all the time, and they never follow up, and they never do anything. And, and so she calls me six weeks later. She's like, "All right, I got my first sale. Now what?" It's like, "Oh my god!" And I was talking to her, and the way that they would describe it, you know, my in law, my in laws, as, as well as my other uh, other immigrant friends, it's kind of like. What's interesting is when you take like these immigrants and you put them in America where there's like a pretty strict rules and laws, like in like mostly the government can't take things from you and like your stuff is mostly protected. It's like, well, this is easy. This is an easy mode. Like, I, like yeah. we all know the we all know the rules and we know that people are mostly all going to follow the rules like this is easy. This is just a, a board game like you just got to right. play it. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm always inspired hanging out with those types of people.
1: Yeah, for sure. Me, too. Uh, You said something just now, which is like, I think is an important uh, little thing, which was I tell people this stuff all the time and like very few take action. You know, like most people just don't do anything with this. I've been kind of I've been admiring. There's been a bunch of people who have built cool shit for us that like I just want to call out is kind of awesome. And I don't know where it leads. And I like that they did it knowing not where it leads, but something good is going to happen. I'll give you give you a couple examples. Somebody created this thing. I don't know if you saw it. They put it on product hunt. It's That's like the cool. MFM ideas system. I, I wish I knew the link off the top of my head, but if you go to product hunt, you search my first million. Um, basically he went and indexed, like, I don't know, 30 or 40% of all of the different ideas we've said on this podcast where we're like, oh, MailChimp, but for inside your company, because you need to write internal newsletters, blah, blah, blah. And so they'll take that idea. He timestamped it. And so you can go to the website and it will be, you'll just be like, give me an idea. And it'll give you an idea. And then you, it says, listen to it. And it, you click it and it opens up in Spotify or whatever, some player, like exactly where we talked about that idea. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome for us, but also for anybody who's a fan of the podcast. Um, and immediately I was like drawn to this person. And uh, and it's such a, it's such a hack to stand out just by like doing a useful thing. And there's so much energy that gets spent like reading books, listening to podcasts, like ask Asking people for advice, you know, and it's like, dude, you know, instead spend actually like a one third of the time and actually like build something or make something that's like kind of interesting. Uh, that will get you so much further. There's another guy who built this thing called WriteLikeSean.com. Have you seen this?
0: That was really good. It was great.
1: This guy created this thing. He trained GPT three like a like like the AI model or whatever to on a bunch of my Twitter threads, and he goes. Oh yeah, I trained this AI to write like you. So watch, you can just type in any topic and it'll spit out a Twitter thread. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, I, I did this.
0: it. It was awesome. It was great. It's actually it,
1: awesome." This guy, someone put it in there. Um, let me let me find it. He put in, <laughs>
0: "I'm gonna it's pull this up." Pretty a amazing how the uh, the the language like it is, it is like you. I I put something in there and like the cadence sounded exactly like you.
1: So uh, okay, so the, this person, uh, where's the one? Somebody wrote how to pick up girls or whatever. Somebody wrote how to be happy. And then it goes, you don't find happiness. You create it. Most people go through life searching for happiness. They think that when they find the right job, right relationship, right house, they'll finally be happy. But the truth is happiness comes from within. Here's how you create it yourself. Number one, do something that makes you happy every day. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small. Like this is a fucking computer that's writing a very realistic, (laughs) you know, looking thing. Uh, Here's another one. Um, Why we don't do public math, right? (laughs) Somebody's a fan of the podcast. He goes, we don't do public math. Think about it. When's the last time you did math in public? I mean, really did math. addition <laughs> Subtraction, multiplication, not mental math, but using your fingers, a calculator or a piece of paper. When's the last time you saw, saw someone do math in public? It's almost like we're ashamed of it. We don't want people to see us struggle at math. We think they'll think our, we're stupid. But the truth is math is hard and it's normal to struggle with it. So let's start doing public math. Like It, it like changes our whole perspective by the end. Let's try practice public math, period together. How
0: does how did, <laughs> how did how did how can I make one of those? Cuz I would like to do that for my stuff. and just still write emails for me. So what do you do? You just like tell GPT-3 to read all of your tweets and it gets to yeah, know you. You should
1: just get this guy. So this guy Ad, Ad, Adil Pickle is his name. Uh is his like Twitter handle. I told him cuz I I put it in my newsletter. I was like, "Check this out. This is awesome." and it like crashed his site and it ran up a thousand dollar bill before it crashed the site he's like ah, oh, no my side project i was like dude i'll like i'll pay your bill just let me own the thing and i'll pay your bill like it's my it's right like sean I'll, I'll buy it off you and then you don't have to worry about this stuff um and so because i
0: i think it'd be cool to like like i love uh john steinbeck um i've been reading it, it, you know you, you don't even know who that is do you Famous American no. author, whatever. A classic American author. Like, you know, like the he's like from the crew that wrote like uh, Catcher in the Ride, that type of crap. I would love to like write my marketing emails like those guys. And I think it'd be cool if I could if I could figure yeah. out how to like teach GPT three. What um you wanna yeah, go to different to- crying in the background. I don't know if you could hear it. It's all right. What topics you want to go to?
1: Um well there is a couple others on this like GPT three thing. Yeah, like um, so basically the, like this, the AI has gotten really, really good at really specific things. Like, I don't know. Have you played with Dolly? That's that, the other that, one that's that like is incredible. the
0: craziest shit on Earth. That is way yeah, so crazier than GPT-3. Dolly, it yeah.
1: it's the picture version of this. You just type in any concept. It's like um, Sam Parr surfing while smoking a cigarette and it'll generate like 12 pictures AI illustrates Sampar on a surfboard smoking a cigarette and it'll give you a bunch of variations. Dude, I told it's it to most, do like, wild shit.
0: I said, do real life grown up Cartman and Bart Simpson. And it made a real life like a it looked like a, photo- a photograph of what a grown up Cartman from South Park a cartoon looked like. It was it crazy. So it is so it impressive. And This is like
1: the demo version. It's not even the real version. I'm going to start doing a thing. Um, there's this company I, I want to invest in that does this with voices, and so uh, basically, he sent me a clip of um, of Gary V reading the Milk Road. So it, it, it was like, it good? You know, the, it, it goes good morning. You know, <laughs> and it's like the Gary V voice. It read the thing, and it sounds exactly like Gary V. And then he's like, "Here's Jordan Peterson doing it. Here's Joe Rogan doing it. Here's Gary V doing it." And he's like, "If you give me like sixteen hours of like your podcast audio data." Like I'll just, I can make your voice like a synthetic voice. So then you could like, you could just type something and, um, it'll do, it'll record the audio for you, the way you talk. And I was like, what in the world is going on? So this stuff is so amazing to me. It's really captured my fascination and it's just the beginning. Like this is going to get so much better and has all kinds of crazy implications. Like, Hey, you're not going to know what's real and what's fake. Like, cause fake and real are going to be like indistinguishable, like a, like a deep fake video or like a Photoshop photo, but for everything, for voices, for videos, for drawings, for whatever, uh, Twitter threads like it's not unreasonable that like most of the content you read on the internet is just going to be written by computers. Dude, like you're going to go crazy. on Twitter, it's just going to be auto-generated content from brands and 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 people that are you know just plugging it into to the AI and AI is spitting out good content for us all to consume. Like we may like, not have Hollywood at some point; it'll just be like computers making movies, and the rest of us just like you know, wall- what's that movie where they're like fat people sitting in wheelchairs and just like sucking down slurpees and watching stuff. It'll just be that because it's like, oh, we don't need to do the work to make stuff anymore. The so computers make awesome movies. We just watch them.
0: Dude, let me, let me tell you uh, a quick story as we kind of wrap up real quick about, you know how like, you know, it's not for a little while. It's been not cool to live in a city lately and it's been cool to live in like uh less popular places like in Portland, yep. Austin, that type of thing. Last night I went to a wedding. I went, it was my wife's buddy's wedding. So they weren't like, you know, my friend, they weren't like what I thought, like, you know, our startup eating nerdy friends. And I sat at this table and listened to my table. I didn't know who any of these people were there. We just started chit chatting. The the person next to me started a business that had raised uh, $30 million uh, at a start. And these all these people are about 28 years old, had raised like $30 million. The person next to them had a company that in two years hired 300 people the person next to them had a startup that they sold for 140 million dollars the person next to them had a, a vc fund that had a billion dollars raised and they they this person graduated college in 09 so however old you are 33 with that and then the person next to them was um a partner at one of the biggest management consulting firms and so it's like mostly like and then there's some
1: poor like english teacher in the middle who's just like what am i what is this come on come on let me do it here well why, why I'm the one doing real work out here.
0: So no one was douchey at all. So the reason why I even knew that was because they like had seen Sarah post about me and they're like, Oh, you do the podcast about startups. And I was like, Oh, yeah, okay. So you must be in startups too. Yeah, I work at this company. Oh, what do you do there? Oh, I actually started it. So like they're trying to they're being cool about it. So um <laughs> it, it 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 was pretty inspiring to be around these people. I'm used to like, you know, sometimes being like a big shot sometimes amongst my my like non entrepreneurial friend group, and I go around these people and I'm like, oh my god, like th- this is like incredibly motivating. I actually think that there's a world where it's a little unhealthy because uh, you're like, you know, like this money shit doesn't actually matter that much, but it's so it's kind of bullshit that I'm like comparing myself to others. But it's incredibly incredibly motivating, and that's something that I miss about San Francisco. Uh, and we had that for a little while.
1: Yeah, that is that was the best part about San Francisco by far. Like, people would be like, "How's San Francisco?" It's like, "Oh, well, the city is basically Gotham City. Uh, you know, it's cold. It's not actually like warm California weather. Um, you know, it's super expensive. It's you know all these things." Um, but the upside is like, you know, if you want to hang out with some of the most ambitious, interesting people who like look at the world a little differently and are kind of crazy enough to go pursue it. You're just going to keep bumping into them like everywhere you go, regardless of what you're doing. And sure enough, your brain will start to change to be more like them.
0: Dude, what's funny is I feel like our friends weren't even ambitious. Like, you know, like Jack Smith is not an ambitious person. He just like works on interesting things. And just so happens that they become huge money making operations or like we have a few friends that are ambitious, but then we have a bunch of friends. It's just like, I don't think Jack,
1: I think is more of an outlier. Jackie is more like just like curious and mischievous more than he is ambitious but i don't think most people are like jack i think jack's a bit of an
0: outlier i don't consider myself to be ambitious do you consider yourself to be ambitious you
1: you are ambitious
0: yes you are i don't consider a lot of our friends to be i'm just like we just like doing interesting things and it just so happens that the output is
1: yeah but yours is like okay jack's is like i like doing interesting things as in like he'll build a ergonomic chair in his garage to like see what that's like your version is like I like just doing interesting things that are highly profitable. And like, you know, <laughs> there's a caveat. There's like an important <laughs> caveat to your like, you're not like just reading novels from like, you know, uh, 18th century. You're like, okay, how do I, you know, spin up this thing that's gonna get to six figures in revenue very quickly, right? Like that's that's your version of what's interesting. It's what's interesting to you is kind of the, the, the hook, right? So like what's interesting to people, like, okay, Furkan, I would say is very ambitious. He's not very money-minded, Right. Ambition is not money. It's like, but he's like super interested in new tech. And so, you know, our, our office would have like, oh, he, you know, here's his, why, is, where, why doesn't the TV remote work? Oh, sorry. I changed the T. I like took the chip out of the TV. And I put a Raspberry Pi in. It's like, why can't I use this beer tap? Oh, because I put a fucking like drone that floats above it. And like, you
0: know, like
1: what is this? Where's my computer? It's like, oh, I I needed a place to put my 3D printer. And like eight out of 10 of those turned out to be just like, you know, money sucks. Like there there was no commercial value in the Raspberry Pi or the mini drones or the 3D printing or any of that stuff. It was just like the fifth one where he's like, yeah, I'm playing around with this like crypto thing. You know, this thing called Ethereum just came out. And it's like just happened to be that that one was like. One that turned out to be extremely profitable and like, you know, change the world in a bigger way. But, you know, the interest was in, let's say for him, tech or like our buddy Xavier is just like, dude, how do I provide electricity to people in Africa who don't have it? Right. That's ambition in a different way. Right. And that was inspiring. Right. Like I was like, holy shit, you're the biggest solar provider in Africa.
0: But I I guess what I mean is like in in New York, I noticed that the ambition is like, uh, let me crawl up this ladder inclined to the top of the ladder because I want to be number one and I'm gonna kick other people off the ladder and make sure I stomp on their faces I'm going up so they can't get as high as, as I am. Right. Whereas it seems and maybe I'm just being like uh just I just think our shit don't stink, which is it's more like let's create new ladders. You know what I mean? Let's just make our own yeah, new York-
1: ladder. <laughs> It's like, here's the test of New York. It's like, do you know which finger can take the least amount of pressure before it gives up its grip? (laughs) It's like, yeah. Step on the ring finger, they're done. And it's like, (laughs) whereas in San Francisco, it's a little bit different, right? In San Francisco, the virtue signaling is different. Like what you get rewarded for is different. You get rewarded for, uh, I'm solving some big problem at scale, billion users, billion dollar prize. That's what you're going for. And it's okay, like your high status, if you're broke, but going for a big, big prize. Whereas in New York, you don't get high status for broke. (laughs) Like it's like, no, in San Francisco, it's like the
0: the guy with the biggest ratio of wealth to poor looking is like the winner. You know, like you, you have to be like (laughs) the the most raggedy (laughs) looking dude with the most most amount of money.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Make the most money and then give up all your possessions and live on the street. Like that is the like peak, right? That's like Jack, go look at Jack Dorsey. It's like, okay, you build two multi-billion dollar companies but then you grow a homeless man beard and you like pretend you don't care about it you give all your money away and you wear a tie-dye t-shirt and like you know you carry around a notebook and like that's you know while you walk barefoot it's like that that's the highest status like person you can be in silicon valley
0: what did you think of the peter levels podcast
1: i thought it was dope like i think he's great uh i like him like you know um I always liked his content, but I like him. I didn't know him. Um and I like the way he thinks. I like the way he acts. I thought he was I thought he was pretty honest. Like he didn't come on here and try to perform. Um and he got the vibe. He got the the, the you know, he, I think he's a hit. he's a hit.
0: I like him. There's a handful of people who we, we were friends with and who we've talked to publicly who I think I would put in the category of like, oh, they've kind of figured it out. And of course, that they're flawed and they make mistakes and they're not always happy and whatever. That just like normal humans, but like in general, they've kind of got it figured out. I would say Darmesh is in that category where it's like, oh man, you've like you have a lot of the boxes checked of like you seem happy, you seem like you got a good family, your career is good. Jack Smith, our good buddy, is another one of those people. Uh, he started a company that he sold for eight hundred million dollars, but like he's not that. Like he doesn't really care about that, and he'll never tell you about it unless you ask about it. But he's right. happy and healthy, and then this guy levels. Peter levels. I would put him in the same category where it's like you kind of like seem like you know what you want and you stick with it, and you have principles, and you're uh, you're achieving exactly your ideal life. Right. And th- that by, makes. By the me way, happy. you know
1: the you know the tell that I figured out. Like the what's the quickest way for me to pick up on is that person like those people like our some of our favorite people are like that. I put Sully in that category. I put Furkan in that category. I put a bunch of our Ramones in that category. It's what percent of your, like kind of when you talk about yourself or what you're doing, what percent, for, there's two tests. One is what percent of a conversation do you talk about yourself versus you ask questions or you're in, interested or curious about other things, other people, or other things. And then the second is when you talk about yourself, what percent is talking about the past, stuff you've done versus stuff you're interested in doing or the future. And it sounds very simple, but I'll, I'll like, if you go to their bios, very few of them even have their last company in their bio. Whereas if you go to my bio, it's like sold Bebo, right? Like number one, the first thing I write in there is like sold the thing, you know, like I've done but something cool. Please ask me about it. I love to tell you about my wins. And are like, fairly,
0: you're, you're fairly close to being in that category of like, I feel like, you know what you want. And even if you don't get what you want, you're still mostly happy.
1: Yeah. And the, the thing that's helped me is like, uh, i I'm getting away from doing that. I'm getting away from basically trying to like seek validation in some way. And then the second like that, that's that's why we talk about our past, right? To like kind of like give ourselves some status or to get some validation from others is like, you know, here's my background, here's what I've done. Therefore, please give me some respect and 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 whatever else. And when, once I picked up that these other guys do that very differently, I started to shed that. It's like somebody will bring something up in a conversation. I, I think of an anecdote where I can tell them a really cool story of how I've done that. And I'm just like, well, that doesn't actually add to the conversation. They're already convinced. Why do I need to do that? I don't need to. I don't need to perform here. It's fine. And so I like let that go. And that thought never used to be let go. It always used to be something I would immediately jump in at any opportunity to kind of like, you know, hey, can you validate my parking here? Hey, here's my ticket stub. Can you please punch a hold on it? And like, that's how I felt like I was doing stuff. And then I noticed these guys don't do that. And I talked to, I remember asking Sully, I go, I feel like you never, I kind of have to brag for you when we meet people. Cause like, dude, they don't even know who you are. They don't know you're a hit, like how much of a hitter you are. And
0: and you want to look and Sean wants to look cooler that he's associated with Sully. Why did I
1: bring this guy to this meeting? (laughs) Yeah. Because this guy's fucking awesome. And like, hold on, you didn't do it. You didn't brag. Let me brag. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, I was like, why do you do that? I was like, I was like, I also feel like you don't even talk about or think about like all the stuff you've done in the past. And like. He was like, he's like, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't really do. I don't really feel the need to. He's like, you know, I heard Kobe Bryant give a talk once, and he's like, it was after Kobe retired, and he was talking about like the new shit he was into. He's like, because I don't know if you know, Kobe started like making little mini movies, and like mm-hmm. he like got really into storytelling and movies, and like that was like what he wanted to do, right? great like stories, movies and stuff. Yeah. And so he was like creating, he created like a production company, and Kobe had said something that was like, I need my next twenty years to make my last 20 years like a footnote, like the next 20 years need to be the best thing I've ever done. And this is coming from one of the greatest hall of fame basketball players. Whereas if you see what most players do when they retire, they go put on a suit, they put on 30 pounds and then they go sit at an ESPN desk and they talk about how the players these days don't get it back in my day. We used to be so great. And like they, and they never like move on to the next great adventure and they don't, they think it's, it's implicit that the best work of their life was behind them. And that's why they gained the weight. That's why they aren't as happy. That's why they're nostalgic for the good old days. Whereas somebody who looks at it like, oh, this next chapter is my best chapter. And that's a different, that person's going to like go through life a little differently. And so he told me, he's like, when I heard that, I thought the same thing. Like, oh yeah, great. My next company needs to make my last company be this like little afterthought. Like we'll put it in the appendix of like stuff I'm done. And if I think about it that way, then I won't put so much emphasis on it. I won't use it as my crutch as like a way to get kind of respect or attention or anything like that. I'm going to only make my new thing the way I do it. And, um, and I I really respected that. I was like, that's great.
0: Have you heard the song, uh, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Of course. Basically. Uh, and one of the lines, he says, real gangsters don't flex nuts because they know they got them. And uh that's that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> you don't flex nuts cuz you know you got them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I uh, think that's the right, episode. Let's end up now. <laughs>